Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Did that voice just say it's a three-hour season finale of Survivor? Did I hear that right? Three hours? My goodness. Forget about the immunity idol. We need the endurance idol. My goodness. Inside Sports tonight on 6.30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. No live hockey to bring you tonight. So we have an actual edition of Inside Sports. We're with you until 8 o'clock. Kelly Rudy in a couple of minutes. Jack Michaels, Kevin Carius, J.C. Sherritt from your Edmonton Eskimos. All to be heard from on the program. You can text me at 6.30, The open line number remains 780-496-0063. Follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L. K-I-N-S. Of course, 630 Chad, the play-by-play voice of your Eskimos, Oilers, and the NHL Conference and Stanley Cup Finals. We have Game 7 tomorrow at 6 between the Penguins and the Senators. We have Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final on Monday between Nashville and the winner of tomorrow's game. A lot of fun stuff going on. The Memorial Cup continuing tonight. We'll keep you posted on that with Erie taking on Windsor. The winner goes straight to the final on Sunday. The Blue Jays won earlier today, knocking off Milwaukee 8-4. I'll give you more details on that game as we move along tonight. The Eskimos schedule, by the way, the medicals are Saturday. Training camp is coming up on Sunday, starting at about 9.20 in the morning. Will be open to the public Fan Day, remember, next Saturday, June the 3rd. I want to welcome back to the show our weekly contributor here on Inside Sports from the NHL on Rogers, former NHL goaltender Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, Reed. It looks like the conference finals are coming to a close tomorrow, and then I get to go home for two nights, and then I wind her back up for another uh, couple of weeks, or just over, I guess. Yeah, well, we'll see how long it takes. At this time of year, I always expect long series rather than short series, and we'll talk about Game 7 coming up tomorrow night. But we we didn't get to talk last week uh, because we didn't have a show with Ched carrying the conference finals. So I want to kind of ask you about, and, and, you know, with the Oilers in the playoffs and, you know, McDavid going up against Kessler and Getzlap doing his thing, you know, Rob Brown and I got a lot of comments on officiating, and somebody even texted in once and said, why is a player like Ryan Kessler celebrated, given that all, all he does away from the play that appears it's breaking or almost breaking the rules? Let, let me just put this out there, Kelly, and I'll let sure. you respond to it. Yeah, I, you know, I 
everybody loves, if you like hockey, you love the physical nature of it. You love all the battles in small areas of the ice that determine the big picture of the game. I, and I don't mind if two guys are, are going at it and the puck's right there. Maybe there's going to be a little slash, a little elbow to the chest. That's fine. When I'm watching the playoffs, though, so a puck battle happens in the corner, the puck squirts out, goes to somebody else, it's cleared. Maybe the two guys who were battling are going to change. Maybe it's you and me battling. If yeah. you're going to your bench, or we're skating back through the neutral zone, puck's a, a zone away, why should I be allowed to slash you on the back of the lake or give you a cross check in the lower back, even if it's 30% of my total power? You know what I mean? And I think, I think that frustrated a lot of people watching, and I wonder, can't, aren't there two referees for a reason? So all that little yeah. stuff that's called gamesmanship, you know, to me, the puck's not there. Why, why is that allowed? <laughs> I, I didn't know we were going down this road uh, completely, and uh, it, uh, you know, I guess I'm just uh, uh, shocked a little bit because I didn't know that people that bug people. I I've just been around the game for so long that for playoffs, I just assumed that that's what's going to happen every time you're going by a guy, you slash him. Like you said, it, it might only be thirty percent. And I've grown so used to it that it doesn't bother me, or I've uh, grown so used to it that I'm like, okay, why didn't he slap me if he had a chance? <laughs> and, and that's the oddity. That's why I'm kind of laughing about this. What I was thinking, though, on my walk today is that what I, what I don't like, first of all, I really like the game. And I, what I didn't like prior to the lockout of 2004 uh, was all the holding and grabbing and, and that kind of really slowed the game down. And I know people can make an argument that maybe it's a little too fast now and player safety is an issue, but there might be a, a happy medium there. But I hated that hockey. Like, I couldn't stand it. And I some nights I felt like a liar on air. Where I'm, I'm Back then I only had one job just Saturday nights on hockey night, and I used to watch in my office the rest of the week and I was bored out of my mind watching some of those games. And now the difference is it's fast, but it's a different kind of dangerous. Like, I'm really worried. I don't – the stuff you're talking about, Reed, doesn't, hasn't really grabbed my attention as much as um, the slashing. Like, the all-out wicked uh, slashes that we're seeing, and in some cases where the guys are turning their blades over – and it's being used closer to a weapon than, than it is a hockey stick. And those, I mean, you look at even, uh, I think it was in around November at some point. I was in Toronto for a Saturday night, and at some point in the broadcast, I can't remember if it was in the pregame show or during the regular game, we had a conversation, the four of us, on the panel about the direction of the game and, and what's happening. And I said, you know, I'm really worried because I don't know if I can remember a time in which there's been more slashing and more slashing to hurt, and in particular at the guy's hands. And you guys, we all know that the gloves are different than they used to be. They're not quite mm -hmm. as protective. And that's a really dangerous play. You look at near the end of the season when Crosby got in the thought and his finger exploded. I'm seeing so many dangerous slashes in these playoffs, and it's reached a, a, a whole new level. If I thought in November that it was bad, I'd say it's, it's three times as bad as it was then. And, and that's my real concern. I don't know where the NHL is going to go with it. I haven't, uh, frankly, talked to anybody around the league about it. I'm sure that there will be concerns. You think of all the players around the league that have had broken fingers and 
and so on. That, to me, is a serious issue. The other stuff, and I'll address Kessler, because I think that sometimes when you hold a grudge about a player that you, you can't see what he can actually do. So, to me, Kessler, is a, he's an excellent hockey player. Every single team in the league would love him. He is he's, he's that kind of rat. He loves playing the villain. He's an extremely hard guy to play against. He's really physical. And yet the thing that makes him so valuable to me is he's talented. And, and why I bring that up, I'm really going on here, but you got me, my mind peaked in a bunch of different areas. What used to really frustrate Mike Bossy, maybe one of the purest goal scorers in the history of the game, about guys that would shadow him. And he would, uh, I don't think he ever said it publicly. I know he said it to us, uh, whether it was on a plane or in the dressing room. He was really annoyed that, just because a guy could skate well, he was allowed to check bossy. But in his case, he would refer to guys that he thought had no skill. And that's the difference between some of the guys he was talking about and a guy like Ryan Kessler. Because he can, he can score. He, he's, what, about a 60-point guy a year. Well, no, that that's a great answer. And, and, and look, I, I love how you kind of said it's not a problem for you. The reason it's a problem in this market is because people saw it happening to Connor McDavid, right? So that's, right. I mean, right. so now Oilers fans have a totally different perspective of coming that. But I think the stuff you said about the slashing is very astute. And, you know, I'm glad that you brought up Kessler because, you know, as an ex-player, when you hear Ryan Johansson say, uh, he doesn't know how his family and friends cheer for him, and it sucks for me when I have to pull a stick out of my groin after every shift. I mean, do you think? And, and look, Johansson had a great playoff before he got hurt. But, yes, he did. But are you sitting there and thinking, "My God, don't say that publicly"? Or what, what did you think of that? I, I, I didn't mind the part about the family and friends. I mean, he's just trying to get under his skin, in mm-hmm. my opinion. But the thing, I don't think he should have uh, said that about the stick and the groin and all that, because that to me. Uh, showed a glimpse of that it was getting to him. And you, I know that it can be a barbaric sport at times, and some of the actions on the ice and some of the things we say and so on, um, it's hard to relate to it too for some people, but that was where I thought that Kessler was getting the best of him. But, I, I mean, I give it to uh, Johansson. Boy, he, he came to bat this year. He was he, He's a different player than he was um, you know, last year even, when he went to Nashville, there was a time, in fact, I think it was in Edmonton, uh, Nashville was on a Western Canadian road trip, and his play was so lethargic, I'll say, that Laviolette benched him in Edmonton, and this was after the big trade, and I think he was trying to send the message that, yeah, it's great to have this talent, but you've got to match it with a work ethic, and I'll go back one more thing. I'm not sure if you watched uh, one of, I think it was the broadcast we had in the Anaheim Nashville series where it was in game one, I believe, and it was in the first period. And I'm not sure if Ron and Don had coaches corner. So I don't know if I said it in the first intermission or the second intermission, but how this sport can be so barbaric. And yet I love it for this reason. You know, shot blocking is such a a scheme in defensive hockey now. Right. And so Mm -hmm. you get maybe three layers of guys trying to block shots. Well, Ryan Getzlaff had the puck at the point in the offensive zone, of course, and he wanted to wire one on net. Well, there was so much traffic, and the first, the closest guy to him was Ryan Johansson, and he was perfectly positioned um, to take away any kind of shot. So we uh, telestrated it, 
Getzlaff thought, you know what? If you're going to do that, here's how we're going to play this game. And he rifled the shot right at Getzlaff's hand and got him right on the glove. And we telestrated where the puck, in fact, was going about seven feet wide. He just had to send a message in game one and, and in the first period about, okay, this is what's going to happen. And to me, I totally respect Getzlaff for that. Uh, I mean, that is a guy that he's, he's putting in the work. So something later in a series, uh, maybe Johansson didn't like it. And later in the series, he's going to go, you know what? That didn't feel so good. I'm just going to be half a foot to my left here, and I'm not going to get smoked by another shot. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports tonight. He'll tee up Game 7, Ottawa-Pittsburgh, when we get back. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. Kelly Rudy joining us inside Sports on 630, Jed. All right, so it's interesting, Kelly, the last couple of playoffs. You know, last year, if I would have ranked the 16 teams in the likelihood I thought they were going to win the Stanley Cup, I probably would have had San Jose maybe 12th, 13th. They made it all the way to the final. I probably would have had Ottawa, like this year, I don't know, 14th maybe. And they're not in the final yet. But Game 7, we all know the old anything can happen thing. You know, Pittsburgh's beat up a little bit. We know that. But how have the Senators been able to do it? Because to me, they're, they're unlikely, from what I, started the, I thought at the start of the playoffs, they're unlikely to be still going here. Okay, so um, first of all, uh, I really started taking notice of Ottawa late January. That's when uh, the Flames played in Ottawa. I believe it was the last game before the All-Star break. Well, in fact, I know it was because I flew from Ottawa to L.A. for the All-Star weekend. And I really noticed something coming together uh, with the Senators. Um, They were starting to believe in the system that uh, Guy Boucher has in place. And and you can argue whether you like the system or not, but it certainly works for the lineup they have. And I started to notice, like, a really resilient group. So... Craig Anderson, he and his wife, Nicole, go through what they're going through. Amazingly, somehow he's able to concentrate on the ice and play maybe as well as he ever has. Uh, I think that was a galvanizing thing for the team. Other guys, uh, uh, Brian Murray, he's gone through something. There's a, there have been a bunch of things going on, Clark MacArthur being out and looking like there might be hope late in the season and, and that adding strength. So. Then you get down to the the specifics about individuals. I always thought uh, partway through this year that Carlson was a much improved player than uh, he had previously, even though he had won the Norris twice. Personally, I didn't think he was the Norris Trophy winner. I thought Doughty was better. I thought Duncan Keith was better. That changed to me. And I'm going to say that was in maybe late January when I saw him or more February, March, and definitely in these playoffs. He is the best defenseman in the game right now. He plays the game the right way. He's got a unique skill set. He plays really, really hard. He's focused on defensive play now. Uh, And then his partner, Mathot, is a machine. I mean, you look at that guy, and once again, he's a person every team in the league would love to have. He's a warrior back there. Um, old school, they're getting good mileage out of uh, Phaneuf. Uh, um, 
Maybe one of the most improved guys to me in the league is Cody Cece. And then you go to the forwards, and Bobby Ryan is having his best time with the Senators. Um, Kyle Turris, to me, is one of the most underrated guys. He's a true number one center. Although he struggled, I'd say, the last two games or so, maybe three, and I'm not sure if he's beaten up and, and struggling a little with that. But And they're getting great performances from a lot of guys that you don't think much about. And they just play a really good team game. Uh, Mark Stone is really good defensively. He struggled a little here offensively. Broussard's banged up, but he was having a good playoff. So you put it all together, and uh, I think to a certain degree, they almost snuck up on some teams also. One more quick one for you. How when Now that you've seen the conference finals almost finished and you saw how far the Oilers went, how close were the Oilers this year? I mean, is this a, do you almost look back on this as a, a big what-if year for the team if they could have won that seventh game? It's always that in today's NHL. Yeah. I think that it's been said, and it's not a cliche, that if you can just make the playoffs, you have an honest chance of uh, going to the finals. It's that close. But to me, it's almost a little bit of not, let's not get ahead of ourselves. They, that incredible progress this year. And I really think that what the organization's done, how hard they taught these guys to play, the system, how to deal with adversity, all that, that certainly put them on the right path. Everybody knows that everybody understands it. The only thing you'd hope is that sometimes when you're young and you have a little bit of success, and I kind of went through it, I believe my second year as a starter in the playoffs, and I didn't make things happen. I, I wanted to recapture what I had the previous year, and that's a failed way to approach something. So uh, I really just think that um, you have to look at how they are when they come back uh, in preseason, yeah. see how focused they are, and and figure out who they are individually again. And that's that's an old lesson I learned from Al Arbor. He always used to say, first three months of every year I have to – learn who these guys are again. It didn't matter if they'd just come off a Stanley Cup victory. And so that's a that's a real good reminder for the Oilers moving forward. Because guys, it's it's no secret. It's been around for 100 years. Sometimes guys have a good year, then come back a little bit more complacent and think that it's all just going to fall in naturally or, or something. And it just doesn't work that way. Kelly, it's going to be fun watching the Stanley Cup final. When you're on next week, we will know the combatants. It's going to be fun, man. Really appreciate your thoughts. Great stuff. You got it, pal. Thanks, Reed. I'll talk to you next week. Kelly Rudy checking in on Inside Sports. It is 627. Memorial Cup in the second period. Wins are up 3-0 on Erie. Jack Michaels, your play-by-play voice of the Oilers, next. at the Memorial Cup in Windsor. The winner goes straight to the final on Sunday. The loser will play St. John in the semifinal on Friday. Of course, Seattle 
Oilers prospect Ethan Bear, a member of that team, eliminated. They uh, didn't win a game in the round robin. 3 nothing. Windsor up on Erie. Seven minutes left in the second period. We'll keep you updated on that one throughout the show tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. We just had Kelly Rudy on the show. Uh, some interesting comments from him on some of the uh, gamesmanship and extracurricular activities that take place in the playoffs. Basically, Kelly said he, he thinks a lot of the slashing has become a problem. He doesn't like seeing players turn their sticks over when they slash a guy. But he says all the little shots and cross-checks and slashes behind the play or while a line change is going on, he just says that's part of it. Uh, you know, he says that he thinks Ryan Kessler's a really good hockey player. Got a text here to 630-630 who says, uh, Kelly is wrong about Kessler. Kessler is a dirty hockey player that I would never want on the Oilers. He's a loser, period. Now, my mom did not send that text. I can guarantee that. I think you all know how she feels about Ryan Kessler. I, I've been able to watch some playoff games with my parents, uh, you know, not having a show last week. My mom was laughing mockingly at the Anaheim Ducks when they were shown uh, on TV after losing Game 6 to Nashville. I will say this about that text, though, about Ryan Kessler. We, a few years ago, we were getting texts like that about Zach Cassian who's now probably one of the more popular Edmonton Oilers as we bring in the very popular play-by-play voice of the Oilers. It's Jack Michaels. Jack, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, buddy? I know who I'm on with. You don't need to tell me. I'm not that old and decrepit. I'm fully aware this is your show. And if you want the necessary props for it, fine. You don't need to tell me who I'm on with. <laughs> We're just making sure you didn't think I had another night off or something. Well, I mean, I and I also... I find it amusing that you uh, that you had to qualify. You know, believe it or not, I did have a chance to uh, watch a few games with my parents. I, I thought that was pretty funny too. Well, why is that? <laughs> well, I, I would say that you know, among guys we know, that spend a fair amount of time with your parents. Well, I do. I get along well with my parents, and they're pretty big sports I know fans. You do. And you do you you get along very well with your parents. I I think it's uh, almost unbelievable how well you get along with them. And you're you're different from some of our coworkers. You don't just you know go over there for food and laundry. Well, no, I actually try to spend time with them. I should say happy birthday to my mom. It is her birthday today. And her oh, pres- wow. Happy birthday, Mrs. Wilkins. Who you got to meet, uh, my mom and dad, at my, uh, my 40th birthday party three years ago. And I will say this, my mom's early birthday present was definitely seeing Anaheim eliminated. I would say she's... And what would she be now, Reed? About 66 or what? Uh, well, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I won't give out the number. Uh, I, will, I will say that the, the number one team on my mom's most despised list has to remain the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Probably the Anaheim Ducks a strong number two, though. Uh, I don't know. Now, Jack, we've talked about your uh, childhood growing up in western Pennsylvania. Did you have a most despised team or athlete as a young Jack Michaels. And I'll I'll throw a while I'll, I'll give you time to think about that. Was there any was there anybody in your mind team or athlete that underwent a Zach Cassian like transformation like we've seen him gone from villain to hero here in Edmonton. There you go. There's some fodder. Well, I I despise the Philadelphia Flyers and I probably the Flyers, I mean, I, I hated Ron Axel. 
And I, so I hated Ron Axel on the Philadelphia Flyers. I despised them. And then the other team that I really hated was the Boston Bruins and Cam Neely. So there, I mean, those are two front runners right there. I, I despise those two teams. I also despise John Elway and the Denver Broncos. I hated them. Uh, I hated on basketball. I hated pretty much every Los Angeles Lakers. Hated the Lakers. <laughs> That's great. Hated the every Lakers. single, even Kurt Still Rambis. How could you hate yeah, Kurt Rambis? I hated the Lakers, and 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 that that remains true to this day. I mean, I hated Kobe Bryant. Uh, and then what do we got left? We got baseball. Um, baseball, not. I didn't really have guys I hated. I've never liked the Red Sox. I despise the Red Sox. Uh, so so there you go. So yeah, I, I well you know me, Reed. I don't have a hard time hating. <laughs> So, you know, it's pretty pretty easy for me to come up with several guys that uh, immediately spring to mind. As far as transformations, um, it usually went the other way. <laughs> You'd like somebody. I was a, yeah, I was, a little, I was a little shocked, for instance, you know, when Recky went to the Flyers, when Yager went to the Flyers. That was, that was kind of hard for me to deal with. Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone I, anyone I really like. No, no yeah, one I, you softened on. This is great. You just added more people to the hate list. No one went to yeah. the other ledger. Yeah, yeah. I have a I have a steady accumulation of the hate list. Some would say I might have some anger management issues. I don't know. Well, I just but, uh, I just think you're hard to please. That's how we look at it. That is true. I I would I would agree with that. I am hard. To now, what sorts of behavior do I exhibit? And I, and I relatively limited interaction. I mean, we'll see each other occasionally at Eskimos games. We've seen each other occasionally in social situations. But, I mean, how would you say, like, give the listener an example of how I might be hard to please? Uh, I just think in general you, you prefer to have things your way. And I think you, well, that's true. Yes. Yeah, so, so you're and just in terms of the context of our question, um, it would be hard for a player who, perhaps at a young age, you know, perhaps a toddler age, Jack Michaels, um, to. I mean, okay, let me ask you this: If you would it be hard for you to meet John Elway now and be civil to him in oh, person? No, I, okay. I think I could handle that. Okay. I think I could handle that. I mean. A lot of this stuff goes goes back a ways, but yeah, I mean, you know, I was a bit of an Alf Samuelson fan, and I became even more of an Alf Samuelson during Samuelson fan during the third playoff series. I mean, I, you know, I mean, there's some guys that uh, that that I enjoyed that that were particularly hard on some of those guys I was talking about in terms of who I didn't like, but. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no question. I have a certain I have a certain standard of general behavior that if I feel is not met, then yes, I can be difficult to please. Hundred percent, I agree with that. <laughs> Jack Michaels, you know what? I don't I don't see it. Unlike unlike the rest of the people in the world, I don't actually see that as a flaw. I I see that as a strength. I've I've yet to convince everyone around me that it's a strength, but I, I'd li- I'm working on that. I, and I never said it was a flaw. I was just making an observation, and I and I and I appreciate how you, you're you're steadfast in your behavior and your standards, which is uh, which is fine. Uh, 
<laughs> so uh, there we go. Brian texting in. He says, uh, I would take Kessler uh, on my team all day, but he's still a wimp compared to Mark Messier, my favorite player of all time. Well, and that's the interesting thing, right? Because, uh, you know, Kessler is, is vilified around the league. Um, but, I mean, you know, Adam Larson came here. And I remember Rob, what was it, with like game six or seven of the season? The Oilers played Washington, and Rob Brown pointed out right away, did you see Larson slashing Ovechkin while they changed lines, right? So it's a, it all depends on your perspective when it comes to that, some of that behind-the-whistle stuff. I would still like it to see toned down a little bit, though, Jack. Not behind the whistle, behind the play. Well, I mean, you know, that's that's if I'm an Oilers fan, it's very mind because of the series and how hard fought it was and how Kessler was in his own way effective against Connor McDavid. But if I were Edmonton fans, I'd be careful, you know, what I wish for in terms of NHL cracking down on that type of stuff because the Oilers do plenty of it and it's been effective for them. I mean I I think Edmonton's a hard team to play against. One of the things the Oilers you know were still kinda gaining a reputation for are being that, you know, kind of big, nasty team that's that's not very fun to play against. But they've got a bunch of guys, and Adam Larson is one. I mean, Larson is a guy I really enjoy talking with off the ice. He's, he's one of the – I really kind of gravitate towards him in the locker room uh, to a certain extent. But I'll tell you what, I'd hate playing against him. He plays like he has had the worst day of his life and just plays with a lot of, you know, a lot of anger, a lot of fury inside him. And he's not the only one on the Oilers. I mean, there's four or five guys on the Edmonton Oilers who play the game just as hard, just as nasty as Ryan Kessler does. So, you know, again, I'd say be careful what you wish for because, you know, it's very easy to focus in on Ryan Kessler, but Edmonton plays the game hard too. And I think it's developing as one of the team's real strengths. And I personally would would hate to see that kind of dissipated by some sort of crackdown. I mean, I, look, the way I view it, uh, you know, Reed, is is it's always going to be a part of the game. And that's what made a guy like Kevin Lowe so effective. Wasn't necessarily the fact that he could fight or or any of that stuff. It was the fact that if you went in front of the net against Kevin Lowe, you could absolutely count on paying the price for that intrusion. And the Oilers are starting to establish a certain, you know, core of players that not only can play the game, but can play the game hard and can make it miserable for their opponents to play against them. And I think to, to diminish that would be diminishing one of Edmonton's rapidly developing strengths. All right, Jack, before I let you go, make the call. Game 7 tomorrow, Pittsburgh, your pre-playoff pick up against Ottawa, still clinging to that Cinderella slipper. How's it going to play out tomorrow night? Well, I mean, you know, I've got Pittsburgh winning, but I will be candid with you. This is starting to stir up uh, echoes for me of years like 1989 and 1993 and 1996 and 2010 when the Penguins fell in the playoffs to vastly inferior hockey clubs. I mean, this just seems like strange to me that, that Pittsburgh is having this much trouble with Ottawa. And maybe it's because, you know, some of the people that, that we travel around the league and talk with are equally as surprised, who, who covered the Senators on a regular basis, who didn't think Ottawa was capable of this. 
and maybe that's just the type of team the Senators have is one that is going to be perpetually underrated until, lo and behold, they're in the Stanley Cup final. But I am exceptionally surprised, even with all the injuries and, and other things that Pittsburgh has battled that this series has gone seven. And I give, I give Ottawa a ton of credit. I don't quite frankly like the way the Senators play, but Craig Anderson has had one of those magical years, and I think, you know, obviously his performance the other night is one of the reasons the Senators will get to a Game 7, but for the sixth time in as many tries, I think Ottawa will fall in that Game 7. All right. Jack, thanks for making time for everybody. It's always great to catch up with you. I look forward to seeing you soon, man. Am I still an invited guest to the Wilkins home after tonight's discussion? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely you are. <laughs> All right, keep me on the list. Don't exclude me. Don't exclude me just because I have impossibly high standards. Red carpet treatment for you whenever you show up. All right, Reed. Thanks for having me on, pal. That is Jack Michaels checking in. Play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Oilers here on 630 Ched and the Oilers Radio Network. Jack is a passionate young man. Uh, he, You heard him say it there. He has never liked a single member of the Los Angeles Lakers. Those are his standards, and he's sticking to them. I'll get to some of your text messages to 630-630. Got a real good one from Grace. I'll read that to you. 780-496-0063 is the open line. Still 3-0 Windsor over Erie late in the second period. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630-CHED. You know, I did something kind of, I uh, showed bad form there. Had Jack Michaels on the show, and I didn't have any Jack Michaels play-by-play. So I'll give you one of your favorites from this past season. Dowdy, back to get it for the Kings. Crowd on its feet, 50 seconds away from the postseason. Shoveled down to center. Here's Kopitar. Wrist shot off the rush and a save made on Brzezinski by Cam Talbot. The desperate Kings working around the end boards. Martinez, 35 seconds to go. Kopitar, deep left corner. Crowd in an absolute frenzy. The puck pinned in the corner. Four players digging at it. Work free to Martinez. One time up top kick save made by Talbot 20 seconds to go wrist shot save Talbot rebound top of the blue paint wrist shot Martinez save Talbot Kopitar bangs it off the back of the net 12 seconds wrist shot Martinez save made by Cam Talbot who freezes the puck with 11.9 to go there's one of your favorites from the uh, night the Oilers clinched a playoff spot against the Los Angeles Kings. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched, we're with you until 8 o'clock. J.C. Sherritt, linebacker for your Edmonton Eskimos. You'll hear from him later on. Kevin Carius from Global Television is going to stop into studio. Kellen Kennedy is on the other side of the window. I got a text here from Grace, the girl listener, who's written in a couple times before. Oh, by the way, before I read that, Chris from Victoria is listening tonight and has texted in. Chris, you didn't let me know how your trip to New York went and if you found somewhere to watch hockey. I don't know I don't know if you were working that night, Kellen. It was, uh, I want to say, about halfway through the first round. Yeah. Chris was going to New York. I remember that. And I yep. think he and his wife might have been going somewhere tropical after that. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, and they were looking for but a place the, to watch the game. And we found a bar called the the Flying Puck or something like right. that near Madison Square Garden. Uh, so hopefully he got to watch because I know he's a big Oilers fan. 
Uh, Grace says, Reed, I could drink pina coladas on a beach with your mom. I despise the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and have a difficult time being nice to and tolerating their fans, and I'm a generally a pretty decent human. A person can be born in Saskatchewan, move to Alberta when they're three, and still be cheering for the Riders at the age of 98 after sponging off the Alberta lifestyle their whole lives. A pox on them. I know that sounds bitter. That is from Grace, the girl lister. <laughs> ah, Grace, that was beautiful. We have callers, Kellen? I guess we do. We have John on the line. John, Hi. what's going on? Hi, Reed. You know, Reed, I just thought I'd mention that uh, Tony Caterina, the city council of Edmonton, is going to bring up the City of Champions sign at the council meeting next Tuesday. Okay. And I thought if some of your listeners were, you know, were of the mind that they think it's a, a good moniker for the system. Uh, right now we're labeled as the capital region. I don't think that does much for me. And when the city council voted against it two years ago, they thought it was because they were getting this this sign from the Oilers and the Eskimos. But it actually originated with Lawrence Decor, who was the mayor when we had the terrible tornado here. And he, he recalled the response of the Edmontonians to that storm as a wonderful group of champions. And that's how the City of Champions moniker got started. He was one of the best mayors we ever had. It kind of be an honor, a uh, memory to, to name him the City of Champions again and uh, respect what's gone on in the past. It's certainly better than some goofy name that uh, the politicians cooked up. John, thanks for that. Yeah, it is Tuesday. Well, I couldn't remember what day it yeah, was. Yeah, it, it is Tuesday. All right, well, and it's Tony Caterina. Well, and people should probably contact their own counselor as well yeah. and let them know how well, they'd like them, them to vote, how right? They want to vote one way or the other, but I just thought it was interesting. I get them cranked up for football season. Yeah, what do you? What? What did you? Were you a little surprised? Did you call in the day Herbie was fired? I think you did. I did. Yeah, I mean Sunderland. He's uh, he's made some changes. I, I think there's going to be a lot of continuity. I don't uh, him. The secondary, uh, I, the secondary is the biggest concern for me. We'll, yeah, s- me we'll too. see what they've done there. Yeah, but we've got our punt return guy back, so it's nice that. Well, that's Lawrence covered. came back, and they signed that um, tr- as a Trayvon Van from Ottawa, who I yeah. think might return kicks. So yeah. they're hoping to up their return. The Eskimos, the Eskimos haven't had a great returner in a while. I mean, Lawrence did okay uh while he was here but it's been a long time since they had one of the better return games in the league yeah and that's such an exciting play and i hope maybe i don't know what they're making any referee changes this year on rulings but it seems like there's a lot of them that are there's a, there's a an illegal block 40 yards from the play and they call it yeah it's, fair point I, fair I don't point get that but yeah i'm looking forward to it and and um, I'm going to go and watch an Eskimo practice next week. So right on. Uh, we're getting into this the football mode. Thanks, Reed. Thanks, John. All right, here's what we're going to do right now. We have uh, a pair. Of, we have two pairs of tickets. So, uh, Kellen, let's take callers two and three. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. WWE Live returning to Edmonton June sixteenth. Northlands Coliseum. This will be your chance to see WWE Raw superstars live like Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Bray Wyatt, Sasha Banks, and the Hardy Boys. Callers 2 and 3 to 780-496-0063. You each get a pair of tickets. Inside Sports on Ched, J.C. Sherritt, Kevin Carius coming up. 
as snow melts across the prairies, the elusive red tag day returns to its native habitat. Toyota dealerships do everything possible to make the red tag days feel welcome. Here, a 2017 Toyota RAV4 has been offered for nesting with impressive results. Lease or finance for 0% for 36 months. Nature is amazing. Red tag days never stay too long, which makes them all the more magical. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.